Hi, everyone. Welcome to Recovery Road, the intersection of life and sobriety. I am your host, Jareth Rossman. Well, we're back. And this time, we're back with another amazing guest interview episode. But more on that in a second. First, a quick announcement. And if you guessed it's about the 30-day sobriety challenge, then you guessed correctly. As mentioned on previous episodes, enrollment began on February 1st and will end on February 25th, with the challenge actually starting on March 2nd. Okay, scratch that. I'll actually push the enrollment period until Sunday the 27th, just in case any of you listeners out there are feeling a little froggy last minute. The challenge has had a really good turnout so far. I think most people that have joined are looking to either break a habit, test their willpower, or just offer guidance and support to others. And remember, this challenge is for anyone, not just people struggling with alcoholism or addiction. In fact, the majority of participants, if not all of them, wouldn't classify as an alcoholic or addict at all. So really think about your life and if this is something you can benefit from. I promise, your future self in 30 days will thank you. Again, if you're interested or know of anyone interested, reach out to me via email or social media. My contact info is listed in the show notes. Now, to say I'm excited to introduce my guest for this episode would be an understatement. I don't want to give away too much information, but this is what I want you to know about Jason. First and foremost, he isn't an alcoholic or an addict, but that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to have him as a guest. I think most of you, the listeners, will be able to identify with his story and journey. Second, this guy is a very high-achieving individual, like very high. Everything he sets his mind to, he accomplishes. Not just accomplishes, but far exceeds probably his own demanding expectations. So, if you're interested in learning how to overcome your fears, finding your why in life, or just looking to level up life, then you'll want to hear what this guy has to say. And lastly, Jason may or may not have been the guy who coined the phrase life's cheat code relative to living an alcohol-free life for an extended period. And remember, he isn't an alcoholic, so you'll want to hear the why behind his decision of going alcohol-free and all of its many benefits. So, without further ado, here's my interview with Jason. So Jason, I want to welcome you to Recovery Road Podcast. Man, I'm excited to have you on here. The reason being, really, it's a couple of reasons. One, mm-hmm. I think your story um, is really going to resonate with my listeners. Just your journey. I've known you for probably over 15 years now. Mm-hmm. And as I've watched you progress over life, the one common theme that I've always thought when I think of Jason is, man, that guy is a high achieving individual. You know, mm-hmm. everything that you've put your mind to, you've not just succeeded at, but you've really excelled at. And mm-hmm. honestly, man, I look up to you for a lot of the things that I'm trying to accomplish. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know how many phone calls I've made to you when I was buying my first piece of real estate. <laughs> and you were that guiding light throughout the entire process. And not once did you ever hesitate to answer my calls or answer any of my questions. And so I said, man, I know a lot of people, a lot of my listeners, um, 
you know, they're all high achieving, but it's like, they just need that one extra piece. And I think your story um, includes that one extra piece that a lot of people are looking for to really level up life. And so, man, I'm excited to have you on. Um, Welcome. I'm going to start by just asking you to tell um, the listeners a little bit about yourself, um, your family life, your hobbies, and your career, or should I say careers, because I know you've had and have a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for the intro and, and really appreciate the, the kind words. And it's been great to kind of grow up together. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just quick background for me. Um, you know, I came from, you know, kind of middle class background. And um, I was kind of a, you know, kind of stay in the lines type student through school. Um, always, you know, did well, uh, you know, getting good grades and went to Georgia Tech and um, I graduated Georgia Tech. Uh, in chemical engineering and and had uh, some really good, you know, corporate experience after that uh, with some, you know, blue chip companies. Um, but uh, although that was great experience, you know, um, it was somewhat, um, I would say, unfulfilling. Yeah. And uh, about, you know, uh, five or six years ago, um, really started to challenge, um, you know, is this what life's supposed to be about? You know, um, making good money, working at a job that I can barely stand and, and just try to get the kids through college type thing. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, uh, through some big breakthroughs spiritually. And I would also say some mentorship as well as some, you know, uh, key literature type stuff, kind of those three things together was able to, um, achieve more of a, uh, what I call kingdom mindset, which we can touch on later. Um, that really opened a lot of doors uh, that I didn't even know existed and was able to um, kind of make the jump from corporate life to doing, you know, my own stuff. Uh, you know, you mentioned I'm in real estate. I have a real estate, you know, company where we have, you know, quite a few properties. Um, that and let me, let me, let me interject for a second there when you say you're in real estate. So, Um, I remember probably about a year and a half ago, I'm scrolling through Facebook and you and I have kept in touch over the last 15 years. You lived down here in Baton Rouge for a while and then you moved back to your home state of Georgia. Right. Um, How long ago was that? Maybe Uh, that was uh, I moved back to Georgia in in, uh, 2012. So almost 2012. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so about a year and a half ago, I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see a post from you. And um, and in my mind, you know, for probably the previous 12 months, I'm like, man, I really need to get into real estate, you know, establish some passive income. Mm-hmm. And I see a post and you're saying, you know, I had a, a dream of acquiring 10 properties. I, I believe it was in five years, but I right. did it in two. Two and years. I was, yeah. like, holy, <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. like, holy smokes. I was yeah. like, you know, I got to reach out to him. One thing that I've always been really good at um, is identifying what I'm not really good at and identifying what others are really good at and right. riding their coattails, yeah. you know what I mean? And learning from them, you know? And so I said, I got to reach out to Jason and see what this real estate's all about. So when you say a real estate company, and that was over a year and a half ago. So it's the yeah. audience, you need to know it's since grown, but <laughs> I was just amazed that, you know, working corporate America, like a lot of people, 
and you still were able to acquire 10 properties in two years. Yeah. Yeah. So I was working that kind of under the table uh, or on the side. And yeah, since then we've grown quite a bit, you know, um, probably two and a half times the size now that we were then when you saw that post. And, uh, and now that it's, you know, that's really obviously taken off. And then um, I also have a rock climbing uh, company. I'm big into outdoor stuff. So kind of doing that, uh, taking people out and helping them discover and those things. And, um, and then I have a, uh, I've just acquired a, uh, gun ammo and shooting range of all things. <laughs> okay. okay, Diversification. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, you know, um, you know, I'm not really here nor there on guns, but, um, you know, once you learn business fundamentals from a, from a number standpoint, you can identify mm-hmm. opportunities. And this yeah. was an opportunity that, um, just made sense to go for. And, and, uh, and so now we have kind of on our docket, you know, to, to kind of acquire, um, so we had 10 properties, right. A while ago, right. now we want to acquire 10 businesses within the next three to five years. And I, I think we'll make that, but, uh, that, that's kind of the professional side uh, on the personal side. Um, I've been married for, um, 12, almost 13 years now. And, uh, we got, uh, three kids and, and another one on the way. Congratulations. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. Yes, that we just found out that. So that's um looking forward and to I, it. And I and I want to remind me to touch back on this because this is something that I mentioned in one of my earlier episodes is that we can make excuses for our lives. And one of the big one, the yeah. probably the biggest one that we make is time. I don't have time to do that. And Absolutely. what I think a lot of people the the excuse for their lack of time is their children. Right. That's it. What I said in the podcast in the very specific episode was that you still have marathon runners. You still have ultra successful business people that mm-hmm. all have kids that have to train, work towards their business businesses, but they have to have laser focus. So anyway, you're a shining example that yeah. one kid, two kids, four kids. It doesn't right. matter. You know, so I want to I want to speak on that, you know, later in the episode on how how do you do it? And, you know, what, what are the requirements that it really takes? You know, yeah, yeah, be sure to, yeah, be sure to come back to that uh, specifically on the time thing. And uh, but, yeah, I kind of debunked that um, that myth. You know, I mean, just in the rock climbing community, it's this myth that you can only be a rock climbing guide if you live out of your car and you're single. And obviously, <laughs> right. You yeah. Know, um, there's more than one way to ski. You travel country. the country doing yeah, yeah, rock yeah. climbing. So, you know. That's right. Yeah. So we. Uh, we guide in the Southeast, um, you know, fall, spring, winter. And then we guide out West, you know, in the summer in the Rockies and Sierras and stuff like that. So uh, it's been, you know, um, an incredible road, um, not void of problems for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. But every day, you know, I tell people, you know, people ask you, what's it like, you know, working for yourself versus, the corporate world, you have no, no less problems and you have no less stress. Actually, you probably have more. Mm-hmm. But every day I wake up, it's like Christmas. You know, I just yeah. can't wait to get started. I pop out of bed 5 a.m. I get up every day 5 a.m. and just can't wait to get going. Yep. Part of that 5 a.m. club. I think um, I'm, yeah. I'm finally getting Amanda on board with <laughs> all of the benefits of waking up at 5 a.m. But something that I want to touch on is you mentioned the kingdom mindset, right? And yeah. so, I think that we're at that age and a lot of my listeners are at the age where life is becoming more about fulfillment, you know, more so 
And don't get me wrong, income is important, career is important, all of those things are important, but we understand that those aren't the only things that are important, right? Yeah. And what I've been really thinking about is that, you know, society likes to put these constructs on life. And one of the big ones I've heard my entire life is a midlife crisis, right? Oh, he's just going through a midlife crisis. Right. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's not a midlife crisis. Maybe let's shift our perspective and say it's a midlife awakening, right? Yeah. Like we've awakened to realize that we're almost halfway done. And yeah. not to sound super cliche, but we can either get busy living or get busy dying. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I think that you are the, the, the shining example of the get busy living. You know what yeah, I mean? That, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So just to um, kind of go back and touch on that kingdom mindset concept, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, uh, so, you know, when you compare that to a worldly mindset or, or what I would maybe call a scarcity mindset, it's, you know, the worldly mindset is, is always what's in it for me, or I have right. to get mine. I right. have to, I have to, uh, there's limited resources and I have to make sure that I get some of it. So you're always worried about what's in it for me. Right. And that can lead to some kind of uh, goofy interactions. And when I was introduced to the kingdom mindset, the theme became not what's in it for me, but instead, how can I serve others? Yeah. You know, how, how yeah. can I? How can I uh, make this person's day better, uh, make it a more positive experience for them? whatever it is, even if it's a trivial interaction? Mm -hmm. um, is there some is are they asking me to maybe meet for coffee or are they interested to know something that I know about? And and I want to you know serve them as best I can by by giving them knowledge, resources, whatever it is that makes sense. Right. Uh, to to help them ultimately achieve their dreams. Yep. Uh, in, in, uh, in my nonprofit summit seekers experience, one of our themes is my dream is for you to realize your dream. Yeah. That's so, beautiful. So, yeah. It's yeah, so simple, so just, but so perfect. Yeah. Just very focused on, on, uh, you know, the people that we interact with every day. And, and Jason, uh, the thing about it for you, the, the key there is that you're genuine about that statement, right? You have to be genuine and really mean that or, right there's a lack of success that's going to come through and a lack of just the genuineness of your efforts to help those people. That's what I tell, you know, people here in the uh, professional community, you know, there's a difference between a networking group and a service organization, right? Networking groups, people go there with their hands out saying, what can everyone else do yeah, for I, me? Right. What am I going Where, to do? Yeah. Whereas in a service organization, you walk in and everyone is saying, what can I do for others? Yeah. How can I help? Yeah. How can I help? Yeah. Yeah. And and I would say when I had that switch, that was mm -hmm. one of the key moments in my journey, I would say, uh, because with that mindset, you immediately switch your mind from a, a mind of scarcity to a mind of abundance. Right. There, there's enough to go around. There's enough for everybody to get whatever that it is they desire. Yeah. At whatever magnitude that they desire. And I always tell people, I said, you know, if, if you want to learn how to get rich, I'm happy to help you because they're printing money faster than we can gather it up. You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you, know yeah. you know, so so um, and so when you have that abundance mindset, what happens is you break the chains of being scared of running out. Yeah. Right? yeah. And that's one of the that's one of the keys of taking risks 
you know, on your own thing is like, uh, we're all scared that we're going to run out of money, not be able to pay our mortgage or our bills or whatever it is. Right. And when you start to break, you know, that, Hey, this, I know there's enough money to go around. I know so much so well that I'm going to try to help other people make money too. Or I know there's enough time that I can Mm -hmm. give my time to someone in the form of mentorship or coaching or, or whatever, or being mentored. Right. You know, and not be afraid of, of running out of time, you know? Yeah. So, so that kingdom mindset is so, so that's the first thing that happens. You break those chains. And then the second thing that happens is people start to notice. Yeah. Say, hey, yeah. this guy's doing business differently. Why does he want to try to help me learn real estate when I would be a competitor? You know, right. You know, why, why would he want that? And so what it does is it creates questions in their mind that they want to then come ask you, Hey, you know, what's going on with you? Mm-hmm. And then you have a chance to, to share, Hey, um, let me, let me tell you about this, this kingdom mindset, this mindset of serving others. Right. And you eventually start surrounding yourself, you know, with people that want to do that too. And if you ask me, the number one thing this world needs is more people that want to serve others. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, you know, so, so to be able to, you know, be a part of that process and shed that light and, and create that culture in, in the businesses that I'm in, um, man, it's, it's been a, uh, a big part of the journey and growth experience. Yeah, man, you nailed it. Um, I, I would echo exactly what you said. Whenever I was able to shift and really see the shift and the change happening from, you know, what's in it for me to how can I help others? Like genuinely, and it all started with the sobriety work for me, but eventually that's trickled over into all aspects of my life. And I try to explain to people how beneficial it is, you know, to shift that perspective, but you really can't experience it. It's like sobriety. You can't experience it until you do it, you know, until you you genuinely want to do it. And and then you had mentioned all that stuff. Well, you know, it's still important. Money and career is still important. You know what I found money, career, all those things are only metrics of how much you're doing. Yeah. Right. You know, know, it just comes. Yeah. You know, my, my net worth is, as you know, 10 X. Yeah. (laughs) All right. that I've been 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 acting and acting that out, and I'm sure it'll 10x again. You know, yeah. and, and if it doesn't, I don't care. You know, right? You, you're not even worried about it because you know that you're doing the, the process and the right yeah. process that's yeah. going to drive the results. But you yeah. you don't have to worry about the results anymore because the process mm-hmm. that that you're following, you know, it works. You know, yeah, serving it, others will pay you back. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd rather do that than than have a bigger bank account. It just so happens yeah. the bank account goes up too. Right. Exactly. You know, yeah. So you're, when your internal cup is full, right, then all of your cups are full. It mm, seems like because yeah, that you're when your internal cup is overflowing, it's overflowing into all your other aspects of life, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, and I like what you said about, you know, people see what you're doing and then they want to find out like, oh, right. man, because whenever you're doing it the way you're doing it in a, in a sense of wanting to do it to serve others, it doesn't create that envy or that animosity, because you'll find a lot of times in life, or it seems that people want you to do well, they just don't want you to be doing better than them. Right? (laughs) You know, but if you're doing it in a way that it's like, man, that guy, Jason is doing really well. But he's also 
doing it in a way that's serving a lot of people and helping a lot of people, maybe he'll help me. And that's what, you know, I saw it and I was like, I'm gonna give Jason a call and see if he'll help me with my real estate dreams. You know, it wasn't like, I didn't take the mindset of, I could have, I could have said, oh man, Jason's got all these properties and I have none. Or I could say, Jason's got all these properties. What a great mentor for me to rely on for me to get a bunch of properties, you know? So Anyway, it, it's a beautiful thing. And I completely agree with everything you're saying, man. And, and on that note, um, just to kind of build on that thought of, of uh, you know, shaming someone or, or tearing them down versus, uh, you know, when you have friends or family members or whoever who are more successful than you in whatever metric you're looking at, right? You know, the, the culture would be to justify, you know, why that's maybe not as good. But um you know, I encourage, you know, your listeners to, to, Hey, if you really want what they have, or you really want the lifestyle they have, or one aspect of their lifestyle, go ask them what they did. Cause nine times out of 10, they want to share too, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you're a part of their journey. You know, part of this journey is to, is to mentor, not just be mentored, but to yeah. mentor others. Mm-hmm. And, and so nine times out of 10, what I've found is people who I want to emulate or be like, if I go ask them, hey, how'd you do that? Or, or, or what was your motivation to, to do it that way? They're more than happy to share. Mm-hmm. And, and they want you, just like what I was saying, uh, to, to be you know, successful. So, mm-hmm. so, so try that next time you see that uh, cousin or whoever who's maybe you know, done something that you want to do and maybe you're a little envious. Instead of giving into that you know, kind of worldly mindset that ego shift say, Hey, maybe I'll just ask. Yeah. Well, let me use you for an example, right? Mm -hmm. Do you get upset when I'm going to call them a newbie in real estate comes to you or a newbie in rock climbing comes to you and says, man, you're an awesome climber. You're an awesome guy. I'd love for you to teach me. Would you be like, Oh my, like, are you crazy? I have no interest (laughs) in that. No, it's like, you know what I mean? Like you're going to do all that you can because uh, it fills your cup, like they say in sobriety. You got to give it to get it. You know. That's I mean? right. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, that's exactly right. Yeah. Love seeing new people learn something new about, you know, yep. what they're doing or 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 get a perspective. Uh, game. Exactly. And yeah. now people, you know, with the real estate stuff, not a lot of people, but people have come to me and said, "Hey, what did you do?" And I get super excited to yeah. help them in their new journey. You know what right. I mean? And to see them get their first property or, yeah. or, you know, whatever they're looking to accomplish because yeah. it's a sense of fulfillment that you just, yeah. you're not going to get in a paycheck. There's no amount of money that'll, you know, no. give you that no. type of fulfillment. You don't want to live inside that paycheck. Yeah. 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 That's right. Another thing that I wanted to bring up is that um, I think my listeners at this point or my social media followers, followers at this point um, have seen is my 30 day sobriety challenge. Right. Right. And, um, and what I'm excited to let all the listeners know is that you're actually the inspiration behind (laughs) the sobriety challenge, you know, and, uh, you and I were having lunch around Christmas and, um, and I, we were just talking about life, catching up, you were in town and I knew that you had stopped drinking for an extended period. Um, you're not an alcoholic by any means. You don't have a problem with alcohol or any type of coping mechanism, but you, I think, you know, at one point in your life where the benefits were starting 
to no longer outweigh the consequences. And so you yeah. said, Hey, let me, let me see what happens if I, if I eliminate this aspect. And so I said, Hey, Jason, um, you know, how's that going? Are you still drinking? And you looked at me, you know, and, and you said, you know, not drinking alcohol is life's cheat code, Yeah, you know? And yeah. so, um, you know, being that this is a sobriety podcast, I did want to, you know, touch on that and, kind of get your mindset and your journey into how that came into development. Like, why did you decide to stop drinking for an extended period? How did you um, stop drinking? Like, why did you decide to stop? And how long did you stop for? Um, mm -hmm. And kind of what was your plan around that? And then what were the impacts? What were the benefits that, that you saw in life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to give a background on my history with alcohol. So I was uh, very involved in the craft beer movement about 10 years ago. And uh, yeah, I remember really, that. Yeah. I got really into home brewing and we actually won a few competitions and we actually were national finalists in, in home brewing. And I thought for at a time I might open a brewery and I'm so <laughs> glad I didn't. <laughs> but I, I say that to, to qualify my answer, you know, I want the uh, listeners to understand like, you know, Hey, I was in it. Right. Uh, I definitely want, you know, an alcoholic, you know, as far as losing control, but I was in the culture, you know, right. Right. And, uh, you know, as I, um, was going through some of the, um, kind of, uh, vision captures of what I wanted my life to be about, you know, six years or so ago through some mentorships and stuff like that, you know, um, and I encourage some people to do this, um, and you can check out, um, my website or for my nonprofit, uh, summitseekersexperience.org, um, where we kind of help people develop these visions of, hey, you know, what, what's your, you know, kind of life mission or purpose? And then, you know, how shall you accomplish that? You know, as I established that for myself, you know, I had all these things, you know, great dad, great husband, uh, you know, high, high performer, high contributor, you know, serving, you know, God, all these things, serving community. Uh, as I looked at that vision and, and mission statement, and all that stuff, I said, uh, I went through an exercise of what is going on? What am I doing in my life week in, week out that contributes to this? And what am I doing in my life week in, week out that does not contribute to this or hampers this? And we talked a little bit about resources at the beginning of the podcast, not having enough time, not having enough money, all this and that. I was already a pretty high performing individual. Mm -hmm. And I went through that exercise of really scrutinizing every attention span moment in my schedule, dollar out of my wallet. And I said, whoa, I am so wasteful. Yep. I am so wasteful. Mm -hmm. And I was able to remove all these things. I, I must have gained back like 30 hours of time per week imagine that. And that's you know, from someone that's not, it's not that you were spending 30 hours a week drinking. Right. No, right? no, no. no. It's no. the compounding effect of, it's not just the, the actual time drinking. It's the, everything else that goes right. in pre the pre-drink and the post-drink. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I must, you know, when I removed, you know, alcohol and then I removed a couple other things as well, that opened up this huge vacuum of, not just time, but mental space, energy, relationships um, that I could then 
replace that vacuum with things that were directly, you know, going to help me achieve that mission I set. And you can become, you know, in, just incredibly effective, you know, when you when you go through that. And, you know, I, I always said, you know, hey, I don't want to be, I want to be the best dad. I want to be 90% best dad. Mm-hmm. So two drinks, you know, a couple of th- nights a week, you're going to be 90% best dad. That's not what I want. Right. That's not what I want for my wife or my kids. And then I don't want to be 90% top performer at work. I want to be the best, you know, and I don't want to be 90% at my, you know, entrepreneurial endeavors. I want to be the, the leader, you know, I want to lead this. And when you look at competition in life, whether it's for your kids time or in business, the, the people that, that go to the top, they're only like five or 10% better than everyone else. They're not right. this like, you know, Uber, you know, thing. It, so, so it's not like you have to, you know, have some kind of 10 X jump in performance. You just have to be a little bit, you know, they, again, it's accumulated though, but if you're 10% sharper, if you're 10% quicker, if you're 10% better at making relationships, if you're 10% better in conversation, if you're 10% better at coming up with a quick joke when you meet someone, so they remember you than everybody else. That just compounds every single day. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're that much further out in front. Right. You know, if I run a marathon and I run every mile 10% faster than you, I'm going to finish a lot sooner than you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, you know, so, so it's, it's kind of like that. And, um, and so as I removed, you know, I, I removed alcohol, you know, pretty much completely um, from, from my life, I got used to that high performance. Yeah. And I felt like I was on like, you know, a drug or something. Right. And, and then, so it was funny because I'll still, you know, I, I still, you know, drink at a, you know, holiday or social gathering every now and then, mostly because I don't want to seem, you know, rude or whatever, but you know, it's amazing. Like you feel it that, wow, like Mm -hmm. this is how I could feel every day. And I can't imagine living like that. Yeah. So, so when I think about, you know, um, you know, when, you know, churches, or, you know, my church talks about not drinking or, or whoever talks about not drinking just, you know, thou shalt not do this. That's not my message to people. Right. You right. Know, my message is, Hey, if you don't do this, this is all the stuff you're going to get. Right. You, you know, like, like this, you're going to get this life. That's, that's just overwhelming. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 uh, and so for me, that's kind of my sell. That'll be my sell to my kids one day. Um, I want my kids to make their own decisions. Of course is, Hey, I'm not telling you don't drink cause it's a rule. Yeah. You know, or cause they said not to a church or whatever. I'm telling you because man, your life can just be just, you know, just so much higher it, quality, you know, it compounds, man. It's that one person. That's one of the reasons I don't ever want to drink again, because I don't want to reset my baseline. Right. Yeah. And I feel like one, one drink or one night of drinking resets my baseline yeah. because it compounds every day. I'm 1% better every day. Like you said, across all aspects of life, you know what I mean? It's not it's just everything. physically, yeah. it's no. mentally, spiritually, yeah. emotionally. I mean, yeah. Like I was telling uh, someone, it's like if I said, hey, drink this potion, right? And you're going to have a really good time for about an hour. But a few hours after that, you're going to make a bunch of bad decisions. You're going to wake up feeling horrible. 
and you may, you know, do things that have long-term consequences, would you drink that potion? Probably not, you know, but people still, still do it. Well, the other other thing is then you start to see, you start to see it in other people who do drink, even socially. Yeah. So when I go into a meeting on Monday, yeah, you know, there's going to be a negotiation or something. I know that this, this guy who I'm going up against is, was watching football all, all weekend, you mm-hmm. know, drinking and eating jambalaya. I can't wait because I know I'm going to yeah. just steamroll the guy. Right. There yeah. stands no chance. Yeah. You know, just stands no chance. So so I think the confidence that comes after you see the results, obviously. Right. right? Yeah, you, yeah, you, you, have, you don't have confidence from, from nothing. But once you, like, start to see, oh, wow, this does make a difference. Right. You know, now you when you go into a, a you know business negotiation or, or whatever or some whatever competitive arena it is, you know, nine times out of ten, you can spot the weakness in another person. You say, oh man, this guy's got kinks all over his arm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and and I'm you know, I'm sharp as a tack. Almost know? superhuman. That's a, I mean, yeah. you know, when I'm when I'm working the daily five, doing all the, the daily fitnesses, and I've got sobriety, you know. I almost feel superhuman because I know that there's nothing that life can present to me that I can't get solved. Yeah. yeah, That I can't fight back with a a rigor that, you know, you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And I also know in the back of my mind that not everyone's on my same playing field because they had a long weekend or because it was the Super Bowl or, you know, for all these different reasons. And uh, so it gives you that extra confidence, like you're saying, in many aspects of life, this is what I try to tell people. The further removed you are from it, the more ridiculous the whole idea of alcohol seems. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And I would say, um, I'll give you this motif that I've noticed and, and, and you can see it in other things as well. But when you, when you're observing your life and putting under scrutiny, I know, you know, kind of like what I was saying before, when I started putting my life under scrutiny, I started to notice the negative things were repetitive. Mm-hmm. Like it was the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So I, I used to watch like too much sports. I said, I figure out like, wow, like every season of football I watch is it's really the same. Mm-hmm. It's just the numbers and the and the names change, but it's really the same. And most of it ends in disappointment, yeah, right? Yeah, it same. ends in disappointment and you have yeah. no control over the outcome. Yeah, all this time and energy. And then and then and then, you know, and, and the same with with drinking, the same with, you know, going out and, you know, uh, cutting up and all that kind of stuff. You know, it, it's extremely repetitive mm-hmm. and anything in life that's repetitive, you know, especially with negative consequences, waking up late the next day, being slow, whatever is usually something that you want to get rid of, you right. know. I'm not saying you don't want consistency, you know, in, in, in good habits, but as you observe your life and you notice repetitive things, maybe it's that you always get in an argument with somebody over something like politics or something. You know, that was another thing I noticed. It was very repetitive. That I just basically removed from my life. You know, yeah. I was, I'm not same here. dealing with this. It's mm. Every four years, it's the same thing, just with different names. So I said, this is very repetitive. And uh, and I, when I removed those things, you know, anger was less prevalent in my life. Yep. You know, uh, uh, sadness, slowness, stagnation, all those things became less and growth became more. Yeah. Those negative emotions. That's what yeah. I tell people all the time about politics. 
I removed it out of my life. Why? Because it it's designed, especially through media, but it's in, designed to incite all of your worst emotions to keep mm-hmm. you glued to the TV or glued yeah. to the phone or glued to the argument with your best friend. And what are, what is that solving? You know, it, it's solving yeah. nothing, but it's inciting anger inside of you that only yeah. has negative consequences for the short term, yeah. for the next two hours of your day. And, you know, as that compounds, eventually over time, you do that for 10 years and, you know, you're yeah. not, it's going to add you, up. Yeah. You're not progressing, right? Yeah. You're, you're speaking to the repetitiveness. It's yeah. like a person like you is, is, is trying to be better than he was the day before, right? right. You're trying to progress in right. life. And that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Why is that? Why did Jason analyze his life? And say, what are the things that are holding me back from accomplishing what I want to accomplish, being the 100% dad instead of the 90% dad? What separates you from the person that doesn't do it? Yeah. Yeah. I, or that I, I is doing the repetitive. Right. Right. Actions. Yeah. I, yeah. So normally um, what I've found in, both in self-observation and then observing others is the people that get into these repetitive bad habits, drinking partying, you know, that, that escapes, let's just call them, mm-hmm. are, are simply trying to do that is escape from a life that they, they hate. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say the first step out of, so, you know, escaping from your a life that you hate is no way to live. Right. You know, yeah. coming to that realization of, you know, and, and, and people don't word it like that when they go have a beer on Friday after a r- rough week. They word it like, wow, I'm so stressed from this week. I need a beer to, or I need a drink to calm down. Mm-hmm. That what you're really saying is my life is overwhelming and overpowering me and I need to escape from it. That's yeah. what you really said. For yeah. Thing, you know, yeah. So so the first is saying, wow, I'm in a life that um, maybe wasn't meant for me. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, or maybe I didn't and, and and not you're not wrong at all or it's or it's, you know, for some people, maybe it's this isn't the life I grew up envisioning for myself. Right. You that's know, right. I just ended up here somehow. That's right. That's right. And and, so yeah. and the flip side of that. So it's a two 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 thought process. So the first one is just becoming aware. Mm-hmm. Of, oh, wow. I remember it happened with me. Um I was uh, I was in a life that I hated, and I was out in the mountains with one of my friends who was living a great life. And, and, and Jason, worked- let me stop you right there. When you say a life that you hated, you're married, you have a great job, right? Right. You've got a beautiful family, right? Right. So that's a life that most people, quote unquote, dream of. You're making good money. You have a very successful career, right? You, like I said, you're high achieving, but in your mind, so if, so if I were looking at your life, I would say, man, he's got an amazing life. Yeah. But in your mind, behind closed doors, you're completely unfulfilled, right? Yeah. So, right. It, so it, I want the listeners to understand that a, a life worth is escaping from doesn't necessarily have to be an alcoholic or someone that's at rock bottom. It can be any type of life. Right. right. But, but, but you've got to find it internally. So go ahead. So I, I just yeah. wanted to, it's not like your life was horrible, but in your mind, right. That wasn't what you wanted, you know? Right. Yeah. And I'll come back to that. So 
I, I remember I was with my friend in the mountains and, and he's like, and was having an amazing, you know, a time there. And he lived there and I had worked hard my whole life. I just worked so hard and mm-hmm. I was miserable. And I, I, I said to him, I said, man, why am I the only one that's unhappy? <laughs> like, I feel like I've worked harder than everyone. I don't mean that in a, you know. Uh, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Kind of way or whatever. But, and it was at that moment I realized, oh, I've allowed this, I've allowed all this to happen. Mm-hmm. So then the, so the first is becoming aware of, Hey, I'm not happy with my life and this isn't good enough. And then the second thing is, okay, well, rather than just try to get out of it, what do I want it to be? So that's when you start to define the why. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, uh, oh, you know, you see, you know, you had the family and the salary and everything, and that that's all that's all correct. But I was not doing what I was meant to do every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I was not, you know, having the interactions I was, you know put on earth, you know, created to do. And so it's first becoming self-aware, but then saying, okay, well, what is it then? Mm-hmm. And that's when you almost have to go back to like a kid. Yeah. You know, and, and the Bible says, you know, come to me with a childlike heart. You know, you have to acknowledge, hey, maybe I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And I need to start asking some people or saying prayers or what, whatever it is, probably a combination of all that. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and trying to figure out what it is, trying to discover again. Mm-hmm. Right? And you said, hey, why don't people, your question was, hey, well, why don't people do that? And the answer is because everybody on this earth thinks that they're doing it the best way. Everybody from the person that's making $30,000 a year to the person that's making $30 million a year thinks that their way is the best way. Mm-hmm. Right. They're convinced that like, hey, this six inches right here encapsulates, you know, all world's secrets. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The (laughs) secret. Right. Right. And in reality, um, you know, we can't really accomplish much individually. Mm -hmm. No, you know. And so by saying, okay, by acknowledging on that, discovering that why I'm not going to find it on my own. So I need to go ask others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a hard step for people to make. Yeah. I don't know everything. Yeah. And I'm not going to know everything. Well, it's especially hard for people our age or maybe even older to mm-hmm. s- that are very successful in their careers that may run successful companies or maybe they're high up on the corporate ladder to look within and say, maybe there's more out there. I've got to go humble myself yeah. and ask others. Yeah. You know, what are you doing to be so fulfilled? You know, right, because right. they're used to telling everyone else what to do on a day to day. You know, yeah, I think there's some some fear of failure there, because yeah. um, when you decide when you make up your mind that that's how it's going to go, you acknowledge, hey, I might have made some I don't want to say bad decisions. That's not necessarily it, but maybe not the all the optimal decisions, you know, to end up where I am because I'm unhappy, you yeah. know, and so and so, you know. There's some humbleness that comes with that and, and, and some fear of being interpreted as a failure when you go ask people for help. Yeah. And uh, and and that's not true. Yeah. Right. You know, we're all trying to figure out why we're here. <laughs> right. And, and, and my, I've just taken the perspective of the more data I have, the better chance I got of figuring out the mystery. Right. And that's I, part, of the, part of the fun. You know? No, that is the fun. That's what I was telling someone yesterday is that, There is no such thing as failure, right? Maybe you didn't achieve your goal, 
But the only time you fail is if you fail to learn. Literally, yeah. like if yeah. you cannot fail if you learned a lesson because yeah. you you're gonna gain from that lesson. So that moving forward, whatever the situation or scenario may be, you know the do's and the do nots. But as long as you learn those and learn what works and doesn't work and um, why it maybe didn't succeed or why you didn't achieve what you were looking to achieve, as long as you learn and grow from that, well, that's almost even better than achieving because all of those growths and those learning lessons compound over time to where you feel like you can accomplish anything and it minimizes that same fear that you're talking about, Yeah, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, when it comes to, I'll I'll give two points on that. Um, Firstly, when it comes to failure, I've gotten to the point in my life where, and it sounds kind of weird, is I kind of almost want it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm not failing, I'm not really trying. Right. You know, I'm doing everything super safe. You're staying comfortable. Yeah. And if I'm not trying, I'm not growing. And if I'm not growing, I'm not going to be fulfilled. Yeah. I mean, that's just it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and, and there's, there's a, there's a, a point in, in climbing also, uh, you know, in, in development and, and, and uh, climbing where if you cannot handle the fear of falling, you will not progress past a certain point. And so it's a big like pivot point in, in any uh, climber's career to figure out, hey, what are going to be my coping mechanisms for failure? And, um, and then once I have those coping mechanisms down where the failure is managed, now I can focus on execution. You know, so the right. two things in climbing we think about is, firstly, I have to go between here and there. Am I okay to fall anywhere between here and there? And then this protection piece that I have right here, do I trust it? Right. And if the answer to either of those questions is no, you do what you need to do to make them yes. Yeah. You put, you put more protection on, you uh, come up with a different route, whatever it is. And then once you can say yes and yes, then you can climb and your mind is not thinking about falling anymore. Yeah. It's the same in business. You know, when you take risks, you say, okay, um, you know, I'm not reckless. You know, I say, okay, if I fail on this, what's what's the worst case, the realistic worst case, what's it look like? Mm-hmm. I remember when I bought my first property, it was $100,000 property, and it had about a $30,000 renovation scope. And I thought, okay, what if this flops completely? How much money do I lose? Well, a novice might say, oh, you lose $130,000. That's not true. The house will always retain some value. Right, right. 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 So, so I said in my mind, well, I really probably only would lose maybe fifteen thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't want to lose fifteen thousand dollars, but it's not going to be the end of the world. Yeah. You know? and, and and so from there, once I could say, okay, that's the worst case here, you know, and then maybe I thought about some mitigation plans. Once I had that set in my mind, I didn't think about failure anymore. Right. I, I thought about execute. Yep. I, I sold that property for two hundred fifty thousand dollars this year. <laughs> four, four years later and i and i had put in 20 grand twenty thousand dollars you know that that's a it's like a 6x on 20 grand you know we can let fear restrict us or we can let fear motivate us yeah right you know we talked about this a couple of years ago we went for a walk around the lsu lakes you were in town i'd reached out 
about the 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 real estate stuff and I, i'll never forget it and I, and I want you to walk the listeners through what you told me again uh or what you told me back then i want you to walk them through it now but essentially you know i was talking about well this could happen and then this could happen and you were like essentially your theme was you have to compartmentalize the fear mm-hmm. all of the fears right and so i don't want to tell it because you you're going to tell it better than me but what is that step by step process look like of taking fears from a macro level and reducing them to an individual micro level and what yeah. are the benefits yeah yeah this is one of my favorite things to do because it really enables deals to get pushed through you know so when you when you come up on a new deal and any great deal always has risks <laughs> That's why it's a great one. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so, and so, you know, to be able, so you come into something and you see, okay, you know, this house has, you know, maybe it's got a bad tenant or maybe it's, you know, had some neglected maintenance or maybe it's, uh, you know, the neighbor down the streets, you know, causing trouble or whatever, whatever it is, you have all these things. And then of course, then you have, that's the micro, then you have the macro. Oh, well, what if the real estate market plummets or whatever, all these things. So it's really easy to get wrapped up and just, you know, overwhelmed. With this <laughs> you know, right. so, oh, you yeah. know, all these things could go wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what we do. And that's right. what we do. But a great investor or a great businessman, a great entrepreneur um, instead says, hmm, how could I assign a value to that and then make money on that? Mm-hmm. So, so if I could say, uh, let's say, um, house has a crack in the foundation. Let's just say, okay, I would say 99% of your listeners would get spooked and just say, hey, I'm not going to deal with that. But I look at it and say, hmm, I could have an expert come look at this. I could have them tell me what they think it's going to cost to get done, you know, and have me tell me kind of best worst case scenario. And then I can assign a probability to it, you know, in my head when I'm building my business case and say, okay, so there, I have a baseline price of this property, and then I have this uh, quantified risk that's also a monetary value. And now my goal is to go to the seller and get them real scared. Right. And right. say, hey, nobody else is going to buy this thing. Right. And try to make this part, which is the, the foundation part, really big in their mind. Mm-hmm. So if I can get their price to actually be you know, under that, I actually make money Right. Right. So, so, so when it comes to fears, you know, you said compartmentalize, uh, really even a better idea is, is quantify. Yeah. Can I, can I quantify each one of those? And, and, and there had been one piece of property I bought that hadn't had risks, you know, that I knew about right. and all, all my big thing to my team is always, okay, well, can we quantify it? And as long as the answer is yes, we can quantify, even if it's a, you know, range, Yeah. then I know we're going to be able to move forward. Right. It's it's on the very, very I had one real estate deal that was going to be for my personal uh, that I couldn't quantify uh one because I thought the it was a mountain home and I thought the ground was still moving under it. I said, Well, I can't quantify, <laughs> yeah. I can't quantify when the ground's gonna yeah. stop moving. Right. <laughs> it's hard to quantify Mother Earth. <laughs> yeah. So I said, Well, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, maybe back off that one. But, um, you know, I, I encourage you, you know, whenever you're approaching something with, with fear involved or risk, hey, quantify, it, you know, yeah. with that probability and magnitude. And yeah. then you can, now you can make a decision instead of just feeling emotional about it. 
And, you know, I'll say one more thing on failure. You know, uh, I'm sure in, in sobriety journeys, there's there's testimonies, you know, uh, in, in kind of my, you know, uh, belief system, people have testimonies. But I always say, you know, uh, and I heard this said, well, I can't remember who said it, but it really resonated with me is, is there's no testimony without a test. Yeah, that's you a know, good point, right? You know, and whenever anybody, you know, talks to someone who's an expert or a guru or something, the, the reason they're that is because they had tests. Yeah, yeah. You know, they they, they had uh, things that had to be overcome. They had things that had to, um, you know, uh, be solved. They had failures. They had trip ups and stuff. And I've had, you know, plenty of them. Yeah. But that's that's what gives you the insight and the expertise and and the resilience is yeah. is going through those things. Yeah. And uh, you know, once once you learn how to do that quantification, then it's just like the rock climbing example I gave. Now, right. now you can just once it's quantified in your mind, now you can just execute because yeah. you know, hey, I I got the plan now. Yeah. You know, I got the number in the spreadsheet. You know. Yeah. Uh, There's so many. Um rock climbing in life it seems like there's so many direct parallels oh. and correlations um what are what are some of the I, I mean obviously failure being a a big one right when you're analyzing how do i get from here to there what's my risk um right. even after talking with you when we had lunch not long ago i started even thinking about some of the parallels between just life and rock climbing you know, I, I remember running and, and it was a really tough run. And I was like, man, like nobody's going to see this run, but I'm going to remember it. And on race day, I'm going to come back to this and say, you could push through that. So you're going to push through this. And all That's people are going to see is me crossing the finish line. They're just going to see the result, which the same with rock climbing. The challenge is from the bottom to the top, right? <laughs> Once you get to the top, you're going to see the view, right? right? And it's going to be beautiful, but you're only going to spend a couple minutes up there because now you got to get back down. That's so the right. journey and all of the learnings are from, you know, bottom to top and then back from top to bottom, right? right? What right. else What else have you learned from, uh, from rock climbing? Because I feel like that I also saw a lot of growth in you once you started down your climbing journey, spiritually, mentally, not that you weren't progressing in those ways before, but I really noticed it in the way you spoke and what you were trying to accomplish in life. You know? Yeah, no, I have a couple points and I'm glad you asked that. Um, I would say, you know, um, first thinking about valuing team members. Yeah. So not too many, of course you had this famous movie, but not too many people uh, get too far rock climbing uh, by themselves. Yeah. Right. You know, so you always have a belay partner at least. And then, you know, a great question as you observe uh, someone climbing and someone belaying and they're moving up the mountain is which person's more important? And the answer is, well, they're both equally important because mm -hmm. one can't make it to the top without the other. And so, you know, can you take that now into a marriage? Oh, yeah. You know, you know, well, with the climber and the belayer, which one's the wife and which one's the husband? Well, I'll let you figure that out for you. <laughs> but, but, right. But, but but the point is, is you need them both. No. Yeah, it's a great point. And they both have different roles and different maybe talents, but th they need each other. Mm -hmm. You know, and there needs to be communication and there needs to be 
caring for each other and, and all those things to, to, to be successful. And the same in business. Yeah. Well, who, who's more important, you know, in the, in the real estate, in my real estate business, who's more important, the, the agent or the property manager? Well, I don't know, but I need them both. Yeah. You know, you know, and, and they need me and I need them, you know? <clears throat> so I would say, you know, the partnership and, and not um, trying to say, hey, whose role is better? It doesn't matter who's better. We, we need each other. Right. Yeah. So when, now when you approach a team effort with that mindset, we yeah. need each other. It removes the ego, right? Ego, the ego. ego is the enemy. Mm-hmm. And it, it helps you identify that. And then similarly, in the same light, you know, I would say, you know, in rock climbing, I have, I have this whole Batman utility belt of tools. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you see see pictures of, of, of me or whoever climbing. I've or, watched your videos on, yeah, the, yeah. on the tool all, belts all and these, how to use them. All these gadgets and different things, and you know how to use them. So, you know, to be successful in a big climb or to be successful in a big effort, you have to have tools. And so, you know, sometimes when we look at the corporate life and we see tools and processes and things like that, we poo-poo on them, right, because it's boring. Mm-hmm. But in reality, um, work processes and tools is something I value even my own, you know, mm-hmm. entrepreneurial endeavors is something I use because at the end of the day, uh, anyone that goes to work, they want to know what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to do it. That's what the, everybody wants to do a good job. I think, you know, I, I really mm-hmm. think most people go to work, want to do a good job. So those are the two questions you got to answer for. And that's what the tools help. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So well, I would, I would say, you know, valuing tools and how to use them is, is another thing I learned in, in climbing. And then, and then, um, you know, the last thing is the ability to, it's more of an observation almost. You're doing a high functioning activity, climbing, you know, full body engagement, intricate, but then also, you know, macro, you know, from a muscle usage, you know, uh, perspective, you're doing all this stuff and you're surrounded by impending danger. I mean, I right. climbed some huge cliffs, you yeah. know, like, you know, thousand feet plus underneath my feet. And, you know, I'm functioning on this high level with these tools and this partner and doing all these communicate, everything. Making a ton of decisions, you yeah, know. All these and- decisions, yeah. Mm-hmm. And just being laser focused. And so I've, I've said to myself, well, if I can function this focused and with this amount of danger surrounding me, why should I be afraid on Monday? Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, wh- why should I be afraid of the risk of, you know, wh- whatever decision, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that you won't be mindful and quantify, like I said before, all those things, you'll be smart, but like, dude, I have impending debt. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and, and so it makes the fear that I experience in business smaller, mm-hmm. a big climbing wall, a big mountain climb, you know, when I, you know, it makes everything else smaller. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so you just, you're just flat out not scared anymore. I mean, you're just not as scared. You it know? gives you um, something that I talked about in a previous podcast, self-efficacy, right? Yeah. That yeah. confidence that I can do or accomplish anything in whatever challenge I'm presented with. I've got the tools in my tool belt and the confidence now because I was just hanging off of a mountain at a thousand feet up and making nine decisions, you know, and I survived that. So now I know that, you know, whatever life throws at me, business, family, personal, I can handle and manage it. 
right? Yeah. And one thing to maybe uh, to just kind of make it practical, you know, um, I do a lot of this kind of extreme and, 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 you know, endurance type stuff. You know, my family, you know, when we come home at the end of the day from a big day, we got our most important client, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is our kids and our, our wife or, or spouse, I should say. And uh, they need you the most and you're the most tired. <laughs> and, and so I've gone to that same spot I go, you know, in a big mountain run or mountain climb where you're tired and you still have to perform. I say, hey, all that stuff's make-believe, right? You know, I mean, at the end of the day, as long as I don't die, the only person that's going to experience the consequence of my actions is just me and I might feel silly, you know, if right. I fall or something. You know, but, but, but it's make-believe to prepare you for the real deal when my endurance and strength is needed. And that's, that's when I come home from a long day and then I got to perform for my kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they want to go outside and play and I might be tired. Look, we're all tired when we get home. Yeah. And I say, hey, hey, you know what? I need to go out and play kickball with my kids. Yeah. My son, my son uh, takes karate and, uh, you know, just a little goofball kids karate. Yeah. And uh, he said, Hey, um, can you come take karate class with me? <laughs> and I'm sure you saw that Seinfeld where Kramer went to kids class. Yeah, right. And, and 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 they had a special where the parents could take for free. Well, zero parents took them up. So there's like 30 <laughs> kids, all the parents sitting on silent, work looking at their phone. And I said, Man, I'm gonna go do this. And and my son couldn't believe it. You know, I got out mm-hmm. there in the pajama uniform. Mm-hmm. I was tired. I wanted to look on my phone too. Right. But it's that, you know, it's like, man, this is what I trained for. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm prepared for this. Yeah, I'm prepared for this. And, and I, my ego is prepared to look silly. Right. I mean, I'm out yeah. there with a bunch of seven-year-olds. How many made you tap out? <laughs> <laughs> but, but my point is, is like, you know, of course, these things are amazing. You know, these mountain climbs are amazing, but don't lose sight of the real mountaintop. Mm-hmm. You know, which is, hey, what I'm preparing for is perform for the people that I most care about. Yeah. Not for, not for, not for just my own, you know, you know, personal Cialis commercial on the top. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's one of the things relative to sobriety that I tell people is, you know, everyone wants to be the better parent, the better employee, the better friend, the better child. Mm -hmm. But instead of focusing so hard on being the better parent and the better employee, focus on being the better you, right? Because mm-hmm. when you're the best version of Jason, then right. naturally you're going to be the best dad, the best business owner. You know, it overflows into all aspects. So, right. you know, you do all of the things on a daily basis related to what I call the daily five. You're, you're doing the physical fitness, the endurance fitness, you know, that ultra endurance stuff, which there's so many benefits to that I'm just now discovering. You're doing the mental fitnesses, the readings, um, you know, the expansion of your mind, the new learnings. You're definitely doing the spiritual fitness, mm-hmm. you know, because you have a strong faith and a strong spirituality. And that was a big part and probably is still a big part of your nonprofit with some yeah, seekers, yeah. Yeah. you know. Uh, you're doing the financial side, right? All of the real estate planning, the entrepreneurship, um, you're hitting all aspects. And so that leads to the last one, which is the emotional fitness, right? You've got to do the four I just mentioned 
to feel the last one, which is emotional fitness, which for me is peace of mind. When I have yeah. peace of mind and fulfillment, I'm at my best to do all of the other things, you know, to be the best dad. I'm not a dad, but to be the best employee, to be the best spouse, you know, mm -hmm. and you do all of the every single day, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so it, uh, it just lends beautifully man to the podcast, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's right. And, uh, yeah, I, I would say, you know, just to, um, circle back on, on one thing you had said, you know, hitting all those daily five points, all that comes with the journey, mm -hmm. you know, the, the bank account, the property count, the business, business ownership, all that stuff. Those are just things that happen. Somebody told me, uh, that their friend was going to get inherited like all this, you know, money or something that told me just recently. And I reflected on, it, I was like, wow, that doesn't, it didn't even mean anything to me, the money, mm -hmm. because I realized just at that moment, I hadn't, I hadn't really fully reflected on it um, until that moment of, wow, you know, the, the real treasure I got was the journey mm -hmm. and I'm still getting right. I still right. get it. Tomorrow I'm going to get it again. Right. You know, the, the money, if I lost all the money tomorrow, I went bankrupt for some reason. You know, all the houses crumbled to the ground. You know, you know, right? They probably just come back again. You know, yeah. because because you, it's the journey that the journey, that you, got, you know, yeah, and, and doing all those things and and finding that uh, becoming fully present and fully focused and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah. So so man, um, yeah, love love the 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 five points you 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 know kind of harp on and and the one thing i would probably add and i would probably interject it somewhere into spirituality which is something we've already talked about is the the being of service to others that's critical to anything in life yeah. but especially the daily five you know you've got to be of service to others and genuinely mean it yeah you can't if do it not, just because people tell you to do it yeah if, if you're not doing that like it, it doesn't matter if you're a if you have a faith system or not um, all roads lead to that being the most rewarding thing you can do on earth. Yeah. Right. Uh, and if you're not doing that, you're missing out. Yeah. Like I said, in the podcast, when I talked about spiritual fitness, regardless if you believe in Christianity or not, Christ gave his life for the salvation of everyone else. Like that's the, the truest example of being of service. Right. Mm -hmm. But we don't have to go to that extreme. Right. No. We just have to be kind on a daily basis, show compassion. It doesn't necessarily being of service doesn't necessarily mean pulling over and helping someone fixing a fix a flat on the side of the road. Now, that is being of service, but yeah. that's not the only way. There's little things that you can do all, all kinds of little things you can all do. day yeah. throughout the day. And you mentioned a lot of them early. Make someone feel good. Put yeah. a smile on someone's face. Give them a compliment. Show compassion because we don't ever know what's going on between, like you said, those six inches and behind closed doors. Right. And that if everyone just adopted that simple mentality, the world would would see yeah. better results. I'd say the easiest way to create opportunities for that is to give out compliments. Yep. Because mm. the worst thing, you, if you have your worst performance, you made the person feel good. Yeah. You know, exactly. the worst thing you're going to do is make the person feel good. You mm -hmm. know, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean. One last thing I want to ask you. So you've accomplished a lot in life. You've learned a lot. What are or what were two or three of your biggest challenges or lessons? And what did you learn from them 
through all of your different endeavors. I mean, and I'm just going to run my listeners quickly through. I mean, you're a chemical engineer. You have competed in bodybuilding contests. You were winning brewery national competitions. You've been uber successful on the real estate side. You've got a wonderful nonprofit that has served a lot of high achieving people. And then you've got, you know, your guided rock climbing company now. Um, You've got a very successful YouTube channel as well. You've done a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but what were two or three of your your biggest um, lessons or challenges and, and what did you learn from them? Yeah, I would say the number one biggest challenge, one of the most challenging days of my life. So through my corporate life, I had gold-plated healthcare, right? And I left corporate life and we did a MediShare, this faith-based MediShare thing for our healthcare. And I, I felt so confident because mm-hmm. I, I was like, man, we, we never go to the doctor, you know, healthy family. We eat well, we active, all this stuff. And a month later, my youngest daughter, who was one at the time, uh, went into diabetic ketoacidosis, which is a oh, deadly wow. condition. Mm-hmm. I got, I was on, I was guiding, and I got called uh, from. Holy my smokes! Wife, yeah, my wife was in the ICU. Oh my gosh! Yeah, my daughter, blue lips, you know, all this stuff. One years old, and uh, I, I remember I. Uh, I drove to the ICU and I walked in. My other two kids were just crying, you know? Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And, um, you know, immediately tried to shield them. Mm-hmm. But my, I, I turned to the nurse uh, who was there helping my wife and my uh, youngest daughter. And uh, I said, well, yeah, I'm going to take these kids, you know, to, out of here. And I said, uh, she's going to be fine. Right. Pointing to my daughter and, they wouldn't say yes. Wow. They said, they said she's where she needs to be. That was the phrase, I guess they were coached to say, you know, Oof. and mm. if you can imagine, so this is pre really pre-revenue for a lot of my stuff. <laughs> right. Right. I just taken this huge leap and, you know, now my one-year-old is in the ICU and has type one diabetes now you know, didn't three days ago, didn't have that, you know, and I have no idea how any of this stuff's going to get paid for. And cause it's, you know, seen as a, you know, pre-existing condition or whatever. And, uh, and I, ha- and I don't even know if she's going to be okay. Right. Yeah. You know, and uh, I remember everything I had ever talked on, believed, stood on was challenged. Right. That next 48 hours, mm-hmm. like really challenged. And, uh, you know, right after that, you know, the, the great news was, first of all, she came out of it, you know, so yeah. Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, you know, great facility. And I wanted to take job interviews to try to cling to what you know. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and my wife, you know, she was on board to say, Hey, you know, um, I think it's going to work, work out financially. You know, we looked at everything and I said, well, you know, all these, all the fears that you would expect. I mean, with type one diabetes, you have ongoing costs for the rest of your life, you know, with Mm -hmm. the insulin and all the devices and all this stuff. 
you know, hey, this is all stuff that we hadn't worked into our little, you know, spreadsheet. Or right. You know, and, uh, and I give the message like this. I thought to myself, well, this is where God gets to show up. Yeah. You, know, you read the Bible, you read these stories and God gets a chance to show up, you know, with the, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Gideon, you know, the one of the famous stories, you know, got mm-hmm. to show up. David got to show up, you know, all these guys. And, uh, you know, I always tell people, I say, hey, uh, the size of your dreams reflects the size of your God. And mm-hmm. what, what kind of impact he can have. And, you know, there's if there's nowhere for him to show up. So when we live in our paycheck, there's nowhere for him to show up because you got everything. You're doing it. Mm-hmm. But when you try to come out of that box, now that margin is is really now you're really showing how much you believe. Yeah. And uh, man, I tell you what, uh, my daughter is I mean, she's three now, super healthy. Um, she's got a insulin pump and a continuous glucose monitor. And she's just super happy, super smart. Yeah. Super smart. Yeah. And, well, uh, she comes from you, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's, you know, she's blessed in the gene pool. <laughs> and and man, you know, I, I can't imagine. You know, I get to see her every day. I take yeah. her to preschool and um, pick her up and all that kind of stuff. And um, man, I, that was the hardest time, and it was real because it was affecting other people, not me. Yeah. And I was able to kind of stay the course. And mm-hmm. we were aligned as a family to stay the course. Mm-hmm. We saw the benefit. We said, hey, you know, your best, where we need you is here, yeah. not back at the office. Right. You know? And uh, I would say that was the hardest time and uh, and and was overcome. Yeah. You know? And, and you, you, you had created a life that was equipped to handle that type of adversity and right. challenge. And now, like I like to tell people, the you know you've got to find the opportunity in the challenge and now that you guys have you know managed this process learned from this journey you have the ability to go and help other families that are now dealing with infants and young children that are being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes what to expect the journey emotionally financially you know, so you can use your story to help others. Yeah. You know? And we, and we've really been able to do that because our daughter was one of the youngest, you know, wow. You know, when you think about the bell curve of people yeah. that get diagnosed with type one and, uh, and for people to come look at us, uh, especially people whose kids first get diagnosed. Cause that's mm-hmm. the scariest part. And you don't know anything about it. And then, and then you go have dinner with these people or whatever. And they say, Oh, well, it's working out. Yeah. It's working out for them. everything's fine. You know? Yeah. And, 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 and that's, that, that's the mindset I like to give or I like to try to give people in times of uncertainty, whether it's COVID or type one diabetes or just a stock market meltdown. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, it, it's all going to be just fine. Yeah. It's all going to be OK, you know, one way or the other. And, uh, and and so, yeah, that's been a great vehicle there. And, and the, the type one community is real tight knit, you know, and, and there's yeah. communities there. So that's uh, awesome. Looking forward to. To being able to do more with with that you know yeah awesome well i lied i do have one more question where <laughs> does jason what, what is jason looking to accomplish over the next i got to hear your goals man i know you posted them on facebook but where do you what are you looking to accomplish over the next 12 months you know from a high level and then maybe over the next five years like what what, what are you really looking to do or what let me ask it this way what what does jason 
Um, and, and I probably already know the answer, but what do you say is the pinnacle? Like you, you, when you reach, when you do this, you, and, and you, your answer is probably that's never going to happen. Cause I'm constantly looking to, you know, progress, but you know, what, what's kind of that, that benchmark in your mind right now? Yeah, I, I would say number one is the number one thing is to continue to grow the relationship with my family. Yeah. You know, so, so I never want to, we all had parents growing up that tried our best or tried their best, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my number one thing is I never want me and my wife to just be roommates or, or a team just that raises kids together. You know, of course, I would do that. Mm-hmm. But I, I never want to lose that, you know. I, I know it's not going to always be lovey-dovey. No, but yeah. We, but that we don't, we don't lose that feeling of love between each other. And lose sight of each other, right? Because a lot of people have children right? Raise the children. And then, you know, 20 years later, when all of the kids are out of the house, they look across the table and they don't even recognize the person they see anymore. So my wife and I uh, had set a goal at the beginning of this year that we would have date night once a week. So that's a pretty steep goal with three kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's been challenged a little bit lately with morning sickness. So we're hoping that once she kind of gets over that, we'll get. Yeah. Cause it's not really three kids. It's four now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so so I think uh, once she gets through this trimester, we, we can pick back up. But we're very pretty diligent on, yeah. on going out once a week together and having a, a, a I'm doing that. And then um, you know, with my kids, how I nurture that relationship is I try to read to them every night, and then I try to um, take them out for a breakfast or something once yeah. a week. You know, and uh, and then um, take them, you know, climb in with me or hike. That's awesome. So, yeah. So so that's I would say, um, you know, kind of, you know, priority one as far as just metrics, you know. Yeah. When it comes to career and stuff like that, I would say my three to five year is uh, to own 10 businesses and 100 units. Uh, real estate units. Um, now, will that happen exactly like that? I'm not sure. Um, but I, I do feel like God's gifted me with the ability mm-hmm. to do that. And I think the reason, uh, the reason I feel pulled to that is um, the culture and influence that, um, y- you know, God can kind of work, you know, through, or I feel that he works through me. You know, we can, you know, um, make a lot of great moms and dads, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's, you know, when I go to work, you know, that's my number one thing is, Hey, how am I going to help this person be a better mom or dad, mm-hmm. better husband or wife? Uh, because if they're doing that, then my mission statement for me is being accomplished. Right. So, yeah. so being able to uh, utilize that influence, you know, constructively and to kind of, um, you know, have some of those biblical principles be built in, even if I'm not quoting the Bible at work, which is fine. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but, just, but just creating a, a spaces where people can feel valued, uh, feel like they're listened to, feel like they're making a difference and contributing, you know, that that's why I want to grow that stuff. Um, you know, it just so happens that monetarily it probably will, you know, help too, but that's only to enable things. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, um, you know, from um, spiritual standpoint, um, you know, my, my goal is always to be mentored and to be a mentor. So you got to have both. Mm-hmm. You know, you really do. And I think so- sometimes we get caught on one or the other. 
you know, either we want to be mentored really bad or we just want to output. Right. You really need both, you know? And, yeah. and so uh, I'm part of a group right now where I'm, you know, someone mentors me, but then I'm also actively, you know, uh, mentoring others at all times of, of, you know, and usually, usually using a vehicle like rock climbing or something like that. Um, I do have a few, you know, rock climbing goals, physical goals, but, um, they're just practice, you know, right. for, for the real challenges. So I won't really get, get into those too much cause it's not, not too serious, but, um, you know, when you say arrive, you know, you kind of use that, uh, you know, Hey, what's the pinnacle, what's the arrival point? Um, you know, one thing I, in life that, um, I figured out is I just love learning. Yeah. And I think if you talk to anybody, um, you know, who's uber successful, they, they, they're they not thinking, oh, I'm successful. They're thinking, oh, I got so much more to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, got, I got so much more to, to do. So um, so for me, um, I, I don't want to get that confused with chasing, you know, always feeling the need to arrive. That's not it because I enjoy mm-hmm. every step. But, man, I, I always want to be a student. Yeah, yeah. No, I never want to think I got it all. You know, I hear your compliments to me and everything, but I, I still think that I'm new. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I still think that I'm like, you know, just just learning, you know, and and that's where it's fun. though. And I knew that would be your answer. I called it like it's someone like you. You never feel like you arrived and it's not from a metric standpoint, but it's that quest to always progress, to always be learning and to always be in that constant mode of bettering yourself, you know, 1% better each day or whatever number you want to put on it. And the great thing about learning and reading, what I tell people is that one door opens up nine other doors. So you can never, like, if you start on a path of reading, like I'll read on one book on a certain subject and two books later, I'm I'm still one day I'm reading about, you know, stoic philosophy. And then two books later, I'm on Eastern philosophy, you know, Eastern mm-hmm. culture philosophy. Mm-hmm. So it's like every journey opens up doors to to new and better journeys and just, you know, that constant expansion of your mind. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and I'd say the same with accomplishments. Um, uh, you know, I remember the first mountain I topped out on, but the real first real mountain. Of course, you're so focused on that one summit, right. yeah. summit in your world. Yeah. And, and I remember I got to the top of it. And of course, you come over, you know, the last two steps you come over and you see, you know. Yeah. And uh, I remember there was just a thousand mountaintops. I said, wow, each, <laughs> you know, each one of these is a possibility. It's mm-hmm. got stories and, you know, all those things. Yeah. And it's the same in life. Like, you know, as you accomplish one thing, of course, you, you learn so much, but then you see seven new possibilities, mm-hmm. you know, and it just multiplies like that to your point. Um, so yeah, I love that. And I think it's true. And and I think, uh, you know, not getting too hung up on results, but instead on possibilities, mm-hmm. you know, that's the exciting part of life. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Yep. The processes, man, and yeah. all of the possibilities and, you know, don't ever set your dreams too small, you know, dream oh. big, you know, yeah. like someone said, the bigger you dream, even if you fail, then your successes will be bigger than most people because yeah. they fail to dream, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say my dreams have got, gotten bigger and bigger and they still get outpaced by what actually happens. Right. Yeah. So I've stopped setting too much, too hard expectations. 
Yeah. Well, you said, you, you know, for me, it's the idea, like when I started the podcast, in my mind, for me to even want to start the podcast, I had to think I was going to be the Joe Rogan of sobriety. Now, is that ever going to happen? Probably not. But in my mind, that's what I'm trying to achieve. And I know that even if that doesn't happen, the, the level that I do eventually get to will be satisfactory to me because I knew that I pursued that ultimate goal. And maybe I do hit it. You never know. I mean, even when you see well, people reach pinnacles, yeah, <clears> they say they started you, somewhere. Yeah, I'll give you one thought here just to kind of leave on this. And, and I encourage you know you to think about this both for your dreams, but then even for your listeners. Uh, and this was one thing that came to my mind. I think it's common among successful people is why not me? Right. Yeah. Like somebody's got to do it. Mm-hmm. So why shouldn't it be? me? Right. And I don't exactly. mean that in a, in a, like a selfish way or whatever, but it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, it's out there for the taking. Yeah. You know, everyone started somewhere and most of the time it was in a garage or a basement, yeah. you know? So Mo- most of the people I've seen who've been successful, and I'd say myself included only just, they made that switch, or at least it was part of the transition where they said, why, why shouldn't I deserve this or get mm-hmm. this or, or could yeah. have this? Yeah. They're not super talented. Yeah. You know, they're, they're just, they just had that flip of like, hey, why can't it be me? Yeah. They, so I encourage, encourage you to think about that. They minimize their fear. You know, they turn their fear into motivation. And that's exactly what you have to do is think, why can't it be me? Because everyone started somewhere, right? right? Every journey began with a first step. So you've got to turn off that fear, take that first step and give right. it your best with laser focus and right. watch what happens. That's right. Yeah. Very well, cool. Well, man, if, uh, if there's, you know, this has been incredible. I knew I would enjoy talking with you. I know my listeners are going to love hearing what you have to say. They're going to get a lot out of this. Um, I'd love to have you back on. We didn't even begin to touch on, you know, yeah, yeah. a lot of the things that we had uh, maybe discussed talking about. But I, I, I really enjoyed it, Jason. If there's anything that you want to mention before we get off any of your um, companies or anything that, you know, you want to um, say before we leave, the floor is yours. Yeah, yeah. I'll plug a couple things. So I talked a little bit about Summon Seeker's experience and uh, if anybody's interested in, in doing one of our kind of excursions or whatever, uh, we do kind of private trips with, um, you know, mindset and vision development, uh, www.summitseekersexperience.org. Uh, if anybody wants to, and they're in the Southeast or even wants to go out West and do some mountain climbing or rock climbing that we talked about and practice what it like, what it's like to overcome the fear of failure, um, <laughs> www.atlantarockclimbing.com atlantarockclimbing.com is our rock climbing company and then um you know see what your you know viewers say you know if it makes sense to maybe have a special show on real estate fundamentals or investing fundamentals or something like that you know maybe we could put something like that together i i do coach people individually on investing um but maybe there's a opportunity there absolutely yeah, definitely. Um, you know, this podcast is obviously related to sobriety, but the 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 theme is to help everyone be the best version of them, right? And so not everyone's looking for the answers to sobriety. Some people want to the information on how to gain passive income, 
or, you know, how to just level up life and find more fulfillment. And you are, again, I've said this earlier, but you're the shining example of that, man. So yeah, um, I, I know my listeners are going to want more from you. So we'll definitely figure out how to fill that cup, you know, Very and, good. and, um, and I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I appreciate you taking the time and, uh, and we'll have you back, man. Yeah, that sounds great. Hey, thanks. Really enjoyed talking. And, uh, yeah, I love talking about that, that all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, it's fun. I know. <laughs> we could do it forever. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. I mean, wow. I don't know about you, but I could listen to Jason talk about his approach to life for hours. And remember, he does all of this with three young kids and a fourth on the way. My biggest takeaway is that a kingdom mindset is within all of us. We just need to dig deep and figure out our own personal why. Then once we do, we need to develop a plan, then execute that plan with laser focus. And if we do that, anything is possible. No dream is too big. There's so much more for us to discuss, so hopefully we can have him back on. If there's anything you'd like his thoughts on specifically, then let me know. We can schedule topic episodes in the future. I really consider myself lucky to not only call Jason a close friend, but also a mentor. And don't forget, mark your calendars for March 18th. I'm working on another surprise guest, which I hope I can release that day. And lastly, as always, if you've enjoyed the episode, please rate the show, share the show, and leave a comment on the way out in the Apple Podcast app. Well, that does it for today. As always, I sincerely want to thank you for joining me, and I'll hope you'll tune in next time for Recovery Road the intersection of life and sobriety.